0: I think it is a really big decision to make for a lot of gay men. Like, oh, am I going to be able to do this? Am I worthy of doing this? Am I capable of doing this Like, without a woman?
1: Welcome back to a new season of Big Little Choices. This is Shri, and I'm so excited to bring you more stories, more inspiring choices, and more opportunities for all of us to learn about what other amazing women and mothers are doing. We really want the season to inspire you and to make a choice or choices that are right for you. If you've heard episodes from the previous season, I hope your takeaway was that you can make an unconventional choice, stay true to yourself, and still have a happy ending. In today's conversation, you will hear from not one but two guests, and not a mom or moms but two dads. Joey and Jesse share their story of being a gay couple, choosing to have a baby via a surrogate, and what life is like in this unconventional setup for their son Sebastian. I love talking to the two of them because not only did I feel like I heard a very different perspective on relationships and parenting, but it also made me realize how we have so many preconceived notions and assumptions about gender roles in traditional setups. Joey and Jesse live in San Francisco and had their son Sebastian almost 10 months ago.
2: So how soon after both of you met did Mm -hmm. you start thinking about starting your own family? And I really want to hear about, you know, when you guys met was starting a family even a consideration or did that happen much later on
3: so my name is jose Brenner, Um i go by joey with friends and family i think it was a one of the biggest reasons why we
0: liked each other i mean we've been
3: in relationships before where we hadn't really found anyone who was very serious about wanting to be in a relationship and wanting to explore mm-hmm. um a family yeah yeah exactly whether it's like as a couple you know, or as a family in the long term. So, so yeah, it meant a lot to us that when we met each other, we were we seemed to be on the same page when we talked about these topics.
0: I am Jesse, and we've been together for almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years in October. And in November, it'll be four years married. So, But I think we talked about family within the first, definitely the first year, maybe even sooner than that, I feel like. I mean, not in terms of necessarily like having a family together, but just expressing that we both kind of like wanted kids as part of our life.
2: So I want to hear about in your setup where both of you are of the same gender and you could both be sperm donors, how you chose or rather which one of you chose to be the sperm donor for Sebi?
0: So we actually both donated sperm and we made six embryos, three
2: and three. Just for any listeners who might not be aware of how this process happens when you have, or rather when you work with a surrogate to have Mm -hmm. a baby, can you just give us a very high level sort of uh, overview of what the process looks like?
0: We hired an agency that we actually knew sort of on a personal level um, because one of my very good friends um, from Florida did a surrogacy through this agency. The agency actually helped us pick an egg donor and a surrogate. So we decided to use two different women.
2: And so how do you make the choice by just looking at pictures and getting some history? Like, how do you decide that this person is going to quite literally be half of your child's DNA?
3: It's really interesting because at first it seems like it's going to be a very sort of superficial decision because you're just looking at photographs. But... In our case, we decided that we were going to pick 10 profiles each and see mm-hmm. if we overlapped. And, we did. and in my personal case, the person we decided to go with, um, the donor, was one of the very first. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw her and I said, that is the face I want to see every day for the rest of my life. I can't explain it. Maybe it's like a type of chemistry. It's maybe like when you see your partner or something like that, it, there was just a connection. Her alias is Megan, so mm-hmm. we overlapped on Megan. And I think there were maybe one or other two two other people that Jesse was advocating for, and I said, "No, Megan, mm-hmm. Megan."
2: And did you ever get to meet Megan, or no? She is just an anonymous person. She just donates her egg, and that's it. Mm-hmm.
3: She's uh, semi-anonymous, I guess you could say, because we we have her photographs of her throughout her childhood and as an adult. We have um, her personal written statement of why she's doing this process. And then we have her sort of a larger background in terms of you know what is she doing uh, professionally or academically and then her health history.
1: Joey and Jesse then found a gestational surrogate whose role was to carry the baby for the intended parents. Through the nine-month pregnancy process, she would call or text them after every medical appointment and send pictures of all the sonograms as the baby was growing. She had a healthy pregnancy and delivered Sebastian via a normal birth in Florida. Jesse and Joey went down to Jacksonville a few days early so they could be there for the actual birth process and see Sebastian as soon as he came out.
0: As soon as he was born, um, we were the first people to really interact besides the nurse, um, nurses and doctor. As soon as they sort of washed him off, we were holding him. And then um, our surrogate was holding him, you know, within a few minutes after that. And then our family came in the room and it actually sort of became kind of a little bit of a um, celebration.
2: I do want to hear what your family's sort of, you know, response has been to all of this in the sense of, like I said earlier, a somewhat unconventional path to parenthood. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what? the general response has been not just your family, but also from your um, communities.
0: And my parents, my family have been, you know, incredibly supportive. I think this is something they kind of always wanted for me. I have a lot of nieces and nephews. I became an uncle when I was like 14 or 15. So I think everyone sort of kind of anticipated that I'd be a father one day. Um, and so they were very sort of uh, pushing it almost like, You know, when are you going to become a dad, you know, and I think everyone was aware that there's kind of these unconventional ways of having a family and they sort of knew that those were kind of my only options. Um, And so, yeah, they were, they were pretty
3: supportive. For me, it was a bit different. When I came out, I didn't have necessarily the best reception on behalf of my parents, they are pretty traditional in terms of uh, conservative values and um, religious as well. So I, I think for that, for them, those were some of the reasons why they felt like most likely wouldn't be able to have a family, and which made them really sad. So it took many years to sort of like go back and forth between our relationship. You know, they weren't present at our wedding. They weren't present for very important moments in our relationship. For many, many years, uh, and would kind of phase Jesse out altogether, uh, which was very hard to work with. That really changed once they found out that we were serious about having a family. Once we actually said we're going to start a surrogacy process, I think my father, person who took charge in this respect, and said, "You know, we need to. I need to spend more time together." So. We started doing that. We spent more time together. We actually went on a family trip. They were very excited because this is the first, this first branch right? So for them, it was a completely uncharted territory. And a big deal for them, too. A very big deal for them. It hasn't been perfect. They haven't worked through all their issues, and neither have I. But where we are now versus where we were two years ago is a completely different place. Oh, yeah. And I think the fact that we have a child, have a child, yeah. has allowed them to yeah. to want to spend more time with us and get to know just my partner. A huge change, in an awesome way.
2: So I want to hear more about the different kinds of choices you have to make, given this is not what you know society would think of as a traditional setup. But it's a great setup and clearly it's working. Your child is thriving. So I'd love for you to like educate me on, you know, the choices you have to make as two dads.
0: I think we've really, even, you know, before he was born and now after he's born, have kind of had quite a bit of help from friends, family, nannies, tons of different mothers who have donated breast milk to him, lots of neighbors, um, just a big support group, I think we've really kind of been able to form. And I don't think that we really realized kind of how important that sort of saying of it takes a village would actually be. Not because we didn't feel like we couldn't handle it, but just because we sort of wanted him to grow up in an environment where sort of he felt like lots of different people could help him.
2: So I want to hear a little bit more about your choice to mm. get breast milk for Sabi, and especially given like I'm sure logistically it can be a nightmare. Sometimes you're trying to get you're sourcing from like different moms who have availability, all of that different kind of stuff. Yeah. Why was it so important for you to make sure that he got breast milk?
3: We kind of arrived at a consensus that we wanted to try to provide him with breast milk up until his first. Or a birthday for various health reasons and just to build up his immunity system and so on. I mean, I'm a person who deals with autoimmune disease in itself. So, because of this, I've had to go through a much more natural way of consuming foods and ingredients and so on. So, when I see the potential for my child to be able to have a very sort of a natural organic process of nourishment versus, um, you know, I'm not as familiar with, let's say, I said, why not provide him with that if that's possible?
0: I have two friends who got donated breast milk for their children, you know, up until about a year and a half of the kid's life. And, you know, they would tell me stories about it. And it just, to me, it sort of was a little bit daunting before I started the process of getting breast milk, because it seemed like a whole nother sort of job within itself. I mean, we had to buy like a chest freezer. We do all these posts on Facebook. But it's actually been quite a bit easier than we kind of anticipated. Um, I think especially in San Francisco, there are so many sort of willing um, women in all different sorts of situations where they have, you know, excess um, breast milk that that are, you know, just being so
3: generous.
2: So how do you define roles as parents? What do you think Sebi's going to call you when he starts talking?
3: We haven't spent much time dedicated to that because... The thing is, I speak to him in both English and Spanish, and Jesse does the same thing, right? Primarily, we both speak to him in Spanish. So when I say, say, oh, look, Bobby's home," you know, Jesse will say the same thing in Spanish. He's like, oh, it's papi. Or I'll say, it's daddy. It's daddy. So we haven't really, like, nailed that down. It, like, fluctuates between papi and daddy.
0: But it's actually kind of happened in the reverse, because he'll tell him in Spanish there's Poppy, so he'll be calling me what he thought was gonna. he was going to be calling yeah. you. I, I feel like, you know, there's so many nicknames with families it's and, like, it. goofiness involved and all this stuff. Things emerge, so he's going to call us what he calls us, you know. We're just going to kind of let it happen organ- organically.
2: Apart from the name, mm-hmm. what other, like, are there any specific mm-hmm ways in which you both determined, like, your own roles as parents?
0: I think it just, that also has sort of just happened kind of organically, like, sort of what were are good at. I mean, I love to cook, so, you know, I'll, I'll feed him probably a little more often or cook for him. Our roles as parents were, were sort of not defined, but, like, in terms of the house and sort of what we did, even sort of before he was born. So I think those sort of just, you know, kept kind of going, like, sort of what we were good at.
3: It's interesting because I feel like our roles constantly oscillate. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll take charge of, like, the more, like, feeding schedules and, and nap schedules and things like that. And just you'll take charge of, like, sourcing the milk and, like, maintaining, like, this network of donors and mm-hmm. so on. So we we, we would both sort of tackle... Different sides of that, like foundational issues that need to like be resolved. Mm-hmm. But then there's things like um, playtime, right? Jesse's much more about like like I'm rougher, curious. like being like roughhousing and wrestling, kind of like bouncing out now. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm all about like sitting down and concentrating on like activities and building things and tasks. Which I mean, mm-hmm. I'm an architect, I wouldn't gonna be surprised that that's the, the way he's yeah.
0: I got. It sort of has just kind of happened. Naturally. I wouldn't really say like one of us is the dad or one of us is the mom
2: specifically. If you think of it, there's really no like outside of I think as a mom, outside of breastfeeding, everything else can be done by a dad as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be a gender-related role. And I think Jesse, to your earlier point, it's kind of what your personalities already
3: formed, Form yeah.
2: you know output like you know like you. I love to cook. I'm the one who cooks in the family. I'm the one who organizes stuff. My husband's the one who loves to play and who's the one who like comes up with all of these creative ideas for my son. So I don't think it's particularly like, oh, because we are mom or dad. I think it's more just given what our personalities are like. And in our case, it's also interesting. You know, they always say, oh, mama's boys or like kids tend to be closer to the moms early on. Completely untrue in our case. Like Mm -hmm. my son is extremely close to his dad. I was telling a friend of mine and she said, oh, but every when he falls down, he must run to you. I said, no, if dad is around, he goes to dad. So I don't think it's so much about, I think it's just how society has somehow defined that, oh, these are gender roles. This is what mom does, which is what dad does. But my sense is that from a kid's point of view, it's the same. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who's male, female, not. It's just, you know, who they feel a connection with what strengths that parent brings to the table and sort of aligning yeah. everything around it.
3: It's a super fascinating conversation because, like you said, people feel like they need to have some sort of, um, like parents need to have these like traditional gender norms. Yep. It's also certain types of people. I think our experience has been a lot of fun in that sense because we get subvert. And, and um, contest those roles, those those norms, um, constantly, right? And we get to be as sensitive and as delicate and as you know adventurous and ex, you know as as we want, independent of mm-hmm. you know traditional norms. I mean, those things don't really apply to us whatsoever, in a sense. So, mm-hmm. so it's been a lot of fun to be able to kind of. Uh, catch people by surprise, because then we get to have this conversation about, Mm -hmm. well, what does a being a mommy mean? And what does being a daddy Mm mean?
0: Yeah. But I would also say that like in our neighborhood, specifically the families that we're friends with, we can really relate to because both parents are kind of equally involved. Like most of the people that we hang out with, you know, both parents work, both parents have very flexible schedules. So it's sort of like kind of the same thing, even though most of these people are, you know, of different sex. We see ourselves in a lot of our neighbors in the city because it's just kind of like how city living is and sort of what types of jobs these families have. And so I don't really see much of a difference in a lot of like closer families because those gender roles are already sort of, you know, changing out even with straight couples, from what I see in this city. A lot of people that say, who's the mommy, who's the daddy, you know, live sort of a, I would say, quite a bit of a different lifestyle than we do. There is kind of a funny gender story, though, for me at least, where I've been talking to like moms and I'll refer to myself as a mom without even realizing it, I'll come back to Joey and be like, oh yeah, I was chatting with other moms and without even realizing that I was calling myself a mom by saying other moms, but I keep doing that. So there's some sort of part of me. I feel like that is sort of seeing myself as a mother kind of unconsciously
3: i think that's the fun part is that we get to wear both hats we get to go into mom world and hang out with moms that it's just like defined by moms yeah. and we get to go into the dad world and then we get to go into parent world without feeling the burden
2: of a label yeah. of mm-hmm. like oh i have to do this because i'm a mom or i have to right. do this because i'm a dad yeah. mm-hmm. i think you have the best of both worlds. Yeah. so i want to hear about whether there were any concerns or any hesitation whatsoever before you chose to go ahead and start a family
0: One thing that I kind of, like, noticed on this journey is, you know, I I, I think we probably could have had kids, like, five or six years ago, but I think there's um, something that sort of, like, pushes you back a little bit, at least for me, in terms of, like, anxiety, like, how it's going to be, how it's going to change our life. And I think for a lot of, you know, same-sex couples, especially, like, gay men, that can be a very intimidating choice to make, how it's gonna kind of change your life so dramatically. You know, going from being single or just having like all of this freedom and all of a sudden your life is, is gonna change so much. So, I mean, I think for me, kind of seeing that change in ourselves was sort of, you know, a big deal because I, I mean, I think it is a really big decision to make for a lot of gay men like oh am i going to be able to do this am i worthy of doing this am i capable of doing this like without a woman all of these sort of you know questions can come up for sure
3: i think for me one of the biggest uh, hesitations has always been it's like well where are we going to end up right san francisco is becoming more and more and more expensive therefore our long-term stay here is kind of the days are counted most likely right so if we go, let's say if we move back to where i from, just in San Diego, what is it like to raise a family in that, in that environment, right? And we have plenty of friends who are very warm and welcoming and progressive, and they say, you're gonna be great. But I still have to deal with parenting Absolutely. in an environment that conditioned you to think that gay wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And not that that hasn't changed. It has tremendously. But I still have to get over that myself. You know, I still kind of have to do that and I have to do that quickly if we end up making that decision. So I think it's not going to be perfect, but I think it's something I'm going to have to heal that that issue with myself where I can go back into that environment and say, yeah, I'm gay and I have a family. And here we are.
0: There was that hesitation for me. I mean, something I still kind of think about is like how people are going to perceive our family and not because of my own feelings, because of my son's feelings. I want to make sure that he's not around people that are making him feel like his parents are doing something wrong or involved in something wrong because he's, he's going to have to face that in his life, no matter what happens. I can only protect him in his first few years sort of from being exposed to that. But regardless, I mean, kids are going to tease him Or as an adult. I mean, this is something he's always going to have to explain and deal with, you know, and we, as parents, you never want to sort of put a burden on your children, but you know, every family has baggage you know before the child's born that you're sort of that the child's gonna have to deal with regardless if they want to or not we went to mexico and we came back and we didn't have an issue but we sort of there was some confusion with the border patrol of like who was the parent um, because we both kind of stepped up to take our child through security and the guy was pretty confused that we were like
3: both stepping up he said Who's baby? <laughs> and, and he made me go first with Sebastian because he assumed that we were separate parties. One Brothers was, or whatever. So and <laughs> um, pointed back to Jesse. And it His took eyes. him it a few seconds <laughs> to take of register. And he's like, oh. I think the thing
0: is, is that most people are sensitive once they understand. They're like aware of what's going on. But I think for a lot of people, they just don't, they're so not used to seeing it that it doesn't even like register that this is something that could be happening right now because they've never experienced that. So, I mean, I think so much of it is just experiencing it or not experiencing it. So I don't wanna like shelter him from the world so he doesn't face like mean people because I I find that most people are pretty open to it. I think it's just a matter of like people, you having to literally explain yourself like quite a few times.
2: So as he gets older and he starts to, you know, understand some of these things, he hears you being proud about it versus Uh, feeling like you have to justify something to other people who don't mean anything.
0: For him to get that feeling of pride is so important. And if we're sort of like hiding about it, it's like totally going to affect him. Like, why are these people? And we've had moments with like family and friends where we have to draw lines with people like you can't hide us from people and it's not because like we care because our feelings are getting hurt it's because the baby like he has it is so important for him to have that example because there i i don't want anyone to make him feel ashamed of who he is
2: yeah no and i think we underestimate how soon kids start to To absorb absorb. a lot of this stuff right as they say with a lot of like Oh, you should start disciplining them at an early age. When is the right time to set these boundaries with your community? So nobody makes your kid ever feel like they're less than somebody else because they were in a more traditional setup.
3: I think for the most part, If we recognize the person as just genuinely curious, we're like, yes, let's have this conversation. This is huge because how else are we going to learn? That's the way I want to be approached when I'm curious about something. I I don't understand.
1: When I talk to guests like Joey and Jesse, I'm reminded of why I started this podcast. To create a space that helps each of us learn more about how every individual and family can and should make choices, sensible ones of course, that are right for them. We're lucky to live in a progressive city like San Francisco, but even then there is judgment around identities and choices that don't fit the norm. So I hope that by listening to today's story, you were able to learn a little bit more about families like Joey's and Jesse's and appreciate the way in which they are thinking about parenting, even though they have somewhat of an unconventional family structure. We wrapped up our chat with the usual final thoughts on how they make choices.
3: When it comes to certain things, I think we have, there has to be a certain element of just like Fearless, that's right. You just have to say, screw everything else. It's about our nuclear family and what's best for our nuclear family. And as of late, it's been about what's best for Sebby. And that's that, beca- that has become sort of the access point, right? That has become the point in which we say, we gra- all of our decisions sort of gravitate to Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no longer about myself or about Jesse. It's about like, well, what is it best interest him and I think a lot of talking <laughs> a lot of communication as a couple to try to understand it's like okay yeah I think our guiding light throughout this whole process has been seeing other really close friends become parents or make any big life decisions we've always sort of been really inspired by the people that stick to their own the beat of their own drum mm-hmm. and who um, take charge and say I'm I'm going to do this because I have a very strong sense of confidence that this is what's best for
0: us. So like what Joey was saying, this is either good for him or not good for him, you know, my gut reaction. So that's sort of the guide now versus before when it was sort of more, um, choices were sort of more like self-fulfilling and now it's just kind of like all about good or bad for him.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back soon with another interview. And until then, if you have any feedback or comments on the kinds of choices you want to hear more about, let me know.